Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Oh my gosh, it's the holidays, parties, 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 gotta be here, gotta be there. Oh, I need a drink. Well, maybe this party, I'm gonna just numb it out because I don't really wanna be here. So I'll just pop that little pill, you know? Oh my gosh, there's so much going on. I just need to go get laid. Oh gosh, I've gotten laid three times today. If this sounds like you, welcome to the craziness of the holidays, but also welcome to the possibility that you just might be an addict. And I'm not knocking that. The holidays cause all of us to do crazy, fun, insane, sometimes questionable things. But take it from somebody who, in the year that I came out of the closet, It was right before Thanksgiving. It was right before Christmas. It was right as the new year rang in. And I stood right on the threshold of going, I think I'm an alcoholic. Luckily, I came to my senses. I realized the damage it was doing to me, the possibility of losing my children, the possibility of giving more fuel to the fire for my ex-wife to really want to make my life pure hell. And I took a deep breath and I walked away. And that's what we're talking about today is how do you step away, not run away in fear, but step away and step in to be authentically you in your sober self, not letting recovery be a scary thing, demystifying the past to how you get treatment. And we're doing it with a guy that I'm so glad we got connected. He is Gregory Silva. He runs three different treatment centers here in the Southern California space. I know I just said here because we're both from California, so I'm going to give the California plug there. But um, I am so excited to be talking about this, especially around the holidays, Gregory, because let's ring in the new year and the holidays with cheer and food and alcohol and drugs and that, 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 that just so we can get through it. So um, bet you never heard that before, right, Gregory? Yeah, Rick, thank you so much for having me on here. And we may be in California, but I tell you, um, we uh, treat people from all over the world, but, you know, we get a lot of people from other parts of the country. And uh, we have uh, three locations. Two of them are in the Coachella Valley. So our little Palm Springs International Airport. uh, Mm -hmm. I meet a lot of people at that airport. I'm sure you do. And the holidays just seems to exacerbate this sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, right after the holidays, we see our numbers. I mean, we fill up. Uh, people are home. They haven't seen their families for a while. And families are like, ooh, Joe looks a little thin. What's going on? And, you know, Joe's grinding his teeth. What's going on? Joe's, mm-hmm. you know, not himself, you know? So uh, I get a lot of calls from families asking, you know, what's going on? What What do I do? My I think my child is having some issues with addiction and I don't know what to do. So um, we help them out. We call them, you know, we talk to them on the phone and uh, uh, 
give them some advice about how to breach the subject. And, you know, we end up having people coming in because, you know, it's hard. The holidays are hard for a lot of people. And when you say child, it's not just like, we're not just talking about the teens. I mean, there's some older people who are calling going, Hey, my son and daughter, they're like, you know, they're in their thirties or forties and something just doesn't seem right. And I know the holidays, love my parents, love them dearly, but Ooh, sometimes I'm just it's, like, it's, okay. can be the, it can be the other way around. Kids come yeah. home and see that, you know, Their mom's parents. looking a little haggard. What's going on with mom? Yeah. And, uh, you know, she may be, you know, taking way too many pills than mm-hmm. what is prescribed to her. That's another Gosh. thing. It's interesting that you say that because I, I just spent some time with my best friend and we haven't seen each other in quite a while. And so we always ask like, how's your parents, all this sort of stuff. And it was interesting because one of the first things he said, well, you know, they're doing good, but you know, mom's a drunk and an alcoholic. And I was like, really? Yeah. Is this something new? He goes, Oh no, it's always been there. He goes, but I'm just, I'm done with it. He goes, and I, he goes, last time I was home, I just, you know, she said something like, well, why are you so mean to me? And he's like, because you're mean to dad and you're drunk and you're an alcoholic mom. And I'm like, wow, but these are the things that do happen, you know? And I think the beauty of all that, yes, folks, there's beauty in all of that is it's the person who observes you that's saying, I want you to be better. I want you to go get the support and the help that you need. I want you to be more you. And of course, some people who hear that are like, screw you. Nothing's wrong with me. But what I've seen so often in my own world, because I have a couple of family members who've been down that path, is they probably do know it, but they just, they don't want to admit it. So sometimes, sometimes it's really tough to be eloquent when we're speaking mm-hmm. about addiction. I mean, sometimes you got to lay it out. And, you know, I tell a lot of people that, you know, sometimes tough love is the best love, you know, lay it out there and, uh, you know, see where the pieces fall, but something's got to change. So, but you have shared with me off air that, you know, this is, a huge challenge in the LGBTQ community. You know, you said, I think this stat you told me once was, you know, LGBTQ people are nine to 10 times more likely to become addicts than the average person. Yeah. And I really want our, our listeners to hear that. Not because I think all of you are addicts, but sometimes we don't realize the pressures of not being who we are and coming out of the closet or hiding in the closets, or now we feel like we have to perform at a certain higher level because, you know, this is who we are. Or I know for me, when I was hiding in the closet and living my dual life, I was the life of the party. Rick was the fun drunk, but Rick was the fun drunk way too many times. And the ironic part of that was, I kind of knew what I was doing, but I was like, oh, well, that's just the way it is. And then suddenly when I came out of the closet and I really started just looking at myself, I'm like, well, okay, all that drinking is why you're like this huge guy, number one, because I was hiding the layers of my truth under all my drinking and my gaining weight and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I believe this is part of what happens, especially this time of year. Let's just cover it up. Nobody's going to remember everybody's partying, everybody's celebrating. Nobody's going to really see me. But honestly, I think a lot more people see the real you during this season than any other time of the year. Because it's easy to go hide yourself. Yeah. I'm going to just say this, you know, out loud and, and 
it's true that most addiction and almost all addiction is connected to some kind of trauma. There is a dual mm -hmm. diagnosis uh, that uh, addicts have. It's not just the substance there is mental health issues and we there's you know around the holidays there's anxiety there's stress there's you know whatever i mean it really everything intensifies around the holidays yep. and uh things that you may have been able to handle you know all summer long all of a sudden you know there's a press to get things done it's the end of the year you know let's you know there's vanity you know what am i going to wear i got to buy clothes i got to mm -hmm. buy presents you know um i'm seeing family that drive me crazy uh, i'm seeing friends and work people in social situations that you know aren't particularly fun or you know mm -hmm. good for me and well and just and just the situations that i had this conversation with one of my family members who's been down this path, you're putting yourself into situations where you're probably spending money you really don't have, but you're going to do it because this is what we're supposed to do. And then you're already anticipating that after this is all over, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay for it? So you start numbing yourself thinking about that. And it just becomes this like crazy hamster wheel. Yeah. You know, and I love that you brought up the trauma piece because that's one of the key elements of hinging these two things together. Rarely, I, I don't know of anybody, and you're you're the professional at this, but in my coaching practice, when I've worked with people who are like, eh, they're kind of on the verge, I know that I need to send them to a, an addiction specialist. Rarely have I seen the drugs, the alcohol, the food, the sex, whatever the addiction is, the gambling, the overworking, whatever it is. It wasn't just because that's what they chose to do. There's some little nugget sometimes they're not little nuggets, but yeah. nugget of trauma. Yeah. That is what's driving every bit of this. Sure. And sometimes we don't even remember or know what that trauma is. Sometimes that comes out uh, once you're sober and in therapy and, you know, halfway through a, a program, uh, you know, a treatment program. So some of that stuff starts to come up and we address that, uh, in the right way, we take you through it and uh, get you to understand what what it is that you're feeling and why you're feeling it and memories and things like that will come up. And uh, it can be very difficult, but once you're able to understand it, mm -hmm. a lot of the mystery falls away and you're able to kind of realize like, oh, this is why I drink or this is why I pop pills or whatever but you know around the it's, holidays some of us are lonely we may not have a you know a certain a someone um, we may have lost that someone right. uh, we may be in a horrible relationship that's abusive um, all of that stuff is so intense and so much more intense during the holidays mm -hmm. we feel it so much more well and and just the last year almost <laughs> We're, we're coming around the bend almost to two years since our, our lovely little pandemic visitor has been around. That drove so many people into isolation, I mean, most of us into oh, isolation yeah. in some way. So now what's the next thing? In fact, you know, it's interesting that we're having this conversation because I remember right as COVID was starting, I went to Trader Joe's, right? We weren't like in California, we weren't quite there yet, but the like, hey, I think this is happening. We're going to be like, like talking about sheltering in place, so sure. to speak. And my husband and I drink wine, 
That's we're just we love wine. That's our thing, right? As we, long as it's not from a box. Yeah, exactly. God knows. Okay. God forbid. Um, but we we have we're not like anti cocktails. It's just that's not what we typically keep in the house, right? Mm-hmm. Suddenly, I'm standing in line at Trader Joe's because it was at, close enough to the whole thing opening. You know, okay, we're going to go to this. That the lines were like clear to the back of the store, and I happen to get in the line that's like on the liquor aisle, not the wine aisle, the liquor aisle. I'm like, okay. As I'm standing there, I'm like, well, let's see if we're going to really shelter in place. Uh, well, maybe I should get a, some bourbon because I like bourbon. Well, maybe we should get some vodka too because we haven't had vodka in a while. And who knows? You know, suddenly, by the time I got up to the thing, I'm like, I have like four bottles of alcohol, which we haven't had in the house and probably consistently in a two, three, four year period, right? Wine, we always have. But I thought this is so interesting. And then of course, you know, suddenly this whole thing blows up and we go through the holidays last year. And it's, it's such an interesting thing to see how we as humans can kind of walk into this space and then it becomes more regular and more regular and more regular. I'm I'm the guy putting my business card in those shopping carts that are full of vodka. (laughs) It makes sense. If you need me. Right. But it's interesting as you were talking too, because this hasn't ever struck me till just in this conversation that, you know, you're talking about the trauma or something that sticks out to you. Yeah. And I, I'm not a big beer drinker, but as you were talking, I'm like, Oh, I think something just hit for me. My dad, who was the closest thing to alcoholic, we lived in Colorado. We were poor, didn't have a lot of money, but he drank. He always drank beer. And so every time there he threw up or come home, all, and it was in this moment, in this conversation, like, ooh, I think I just connected something there. That beer, I'll drink it every once in a while, but not my thing because there's trauma there because he'd come home, the angry drunk and all that sort of stuff. And I, I know that for a lot of people, it's this, first of all, loving yourself. That's where it starts. That starts to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And you already kind of alluded to it by like the mystery starts to unfold. But I love your PR person sent me your stuff ahead of time. And I love the line in here about demystifying the past treatment. I think that's a big part for people to step into first love yourself to say, okay, I needed, I'm going to do this. I need to do this. I want to do this. But I also feel like in this conversation, like opening the doorway to like really, Hey, demystify, here's kind of what happens. So it's not always let's go do yoga by the ocean and we're going to eat all these beautiful foods. And we're just going to, there's a lot of work that goes into this. Correct. Definitely. It's not a, a walk in the park, but the right situation uh, can be really, really good. And mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a penitentiary. Right. I think I told you that earlier, but it's uh, and it's not a, you know, beautiful cliffside Malibu either. It's right. uh, somewhere in between. And we, uh, you know, the, it's not really where you are. It's the type of treatment and the people that you're surrounded that surround you while you're in treatment and it's people that need to understand you know what you've gone through and be able to pull that out 
Um, I think a lot of people are afraid of what that detox period is, the first seven days of not having your drug of choice. Um, people think it's going to be really, really awful. They're going to be sick. And, you know, sometimes they don't feel 100%, but it's not as bad as people think it, it's going to be. And uh, you're, you know, there's medications, um, there's other other types of, you know, things. Uh, one of the treatment centers that we have is called Living Longer Recovery. And we have, uh, it's near Pump Springs. We have natural mineral water that comes out of the ground. And we have these gorgeous clawfoot tubs that you sit in and and uh, the mineral waters are just amazing. They'll, they'll help you detox. Your skin absorbs these minerals and uh, people feel amazing and they, they get on track and, and you start to understand that this is the right thing for you. You start to feel healthy again and certain things that, you know, you forgot you could even do, you know, like, oh, look, I can get an erection again. Those kinds of things start to come back to you. And, uh, you know, my head doesn't hurt every morning and, you know, those kinds of things. So um, it I really is, clearly. Uh, it's miraculous. Yeah, it's really, it's, 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 uh, it'll change your life. So what do you say? I'm just curious when people say, well, once an addict, always an addict, and they just replace their addiction with another addiction. Mm, as long as your addiction isn't something that kills you, go for a run, go to the gym, mm -hmm. you know, go to meetings, talk to friends about, you know, how great it is to be not drunk and, you know, whatever it's, so not all addictions are horrible, right? but, uh, you know, if you're on fentanyl or you're shooting heroin or you're drinking to blackout stage every night, that addiction will kill you. It will not mm -hmm. be a pretty ending for you. But I also feel like there's an addiction that is, is cropping up. That's actually leading people to these other addictions of drugs, alcohol, <clears throat> that do kill you. But I, I, I feel like the addiction to social media is actually, if it's not adding to an already an existing addiction, it can actually lead people to the other side. Yeah. Because the um, comparison addiction, the I'm not as good. Oh, they're an influencer. I'm not. And da, 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 da. I think it's just compounded how we suddenly go, okay, well, I'll just jump in here and I'll numb the pain with this. Yeah. I don't know about your listeners. I don't know the ages that are listening to me right now, but I remember what it was like to have to go out to a club or a bar to meet someone. Mm -hmm. And now you can order it, order it in like freaking pizza. Right. And um, it's so, it's so empty. It's so lonely. Mm -hmm. And, and what goes with that is um, the, you know, our gay, uh, scourge, which is crystal meth right? and sex and crystal meth are go hand in hand. So I get a lot of people that come to me for treatment that, um, have an addiction to crystal meth and have been abusing their bodies with, you know, for a long time. And it's, uh, it's difficult, but we, we, in our community, we have some very different, uh, different things uh, going on that really need to be understood by the treatment center um, that is going to be treating you. Yeah. And for the community, the trauma in general 
whether you're gay, lesbian, bi, trans, wherever you fall on the spectrum, let's just call it what it is. The trauma is the trauma of not being accepted for who you are. Now there could also be the sexual abuse trauma and all that stuff that's built into it too. And, you know, I, I was sexually awakened at a very young age myself. And some people like, Oh, well that explains everything. No, not really. It was there. It's a piece of my world. It isn't the reason I'm gay. So you bitches just go, you go play that ball somewhere else. Right. But, um, it is a piece of myself that as I had started the whole unraveling and coming to terms with me and getting comfortable in it, I know there were nights that I literally would sit and I would drink myself to sleep. Like, okay, but I can't think about that anymore. I can't think about that anymore until my therapist finally, you know, guided me into a beautiful space of, okay, if you don't want to quote unquote, think about it anymore, what if we talked about it and you got comfortable with it and you were able to hold it in a very beautiful, sacred space. And I've done enough personal development work now that, you know, using terminology like a sacred space means it means so much to me because there's, there's spaces for that part and the spaces for my late in life coming out and spaces for, you know, the pain that, you know, I put my ex-wife through there's beautiful spaces for all of that in my life. It's super tough to grow up as a gay man. I mean, Mm -hmm. honestly, uh, or as a gay person to grow up. I mean, we have certain, there's certain expectations, uh, you know, we've got to have the body, we've got to have the, you know, the look, you know, we have to come across as a certain way. And, uh, you know, so if you, if you're 20 pounds overweight, snort crystal meth, you know, that'll help you. You know, if you uh, have anxiety in social situations, you know, take a, take a Xanax, you know, that, that, and so we, we feel like we have to fit into these boxes. And um, I know me, myself, I mean, I never felt comfortable in my own skin until I was much older. Uh, I felt like I was a, a, I presented one way to everyone, but in the inside, I was completely something else. And that is really hard to maintain for very long. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do it. We learn to do it or, or we all become actors. Not everyone. I mean, I when I meet a well-adjusted gay person, it makes me so happy. I'm like, yeah. oh, I wish, you know, I wish I could talk to your parents and find mm-hmm. out what mm-hmm. uh, what happened here. But um, it's tough. We have, you know, there's all this pressure to be perfect. And we see things on on the internet or online and um you know 90 percent of it's bullshit but Mm -hmm. we still try to live up to that and it's a it's a hard row and you know if we've ever had a dad or a mom that you know we felt you know didn't accept us exactly the way we were i mean we have shame about that and it's so deep-seated and some of us not might not even realize that we still have those feelings in us but, but they're there and that we know we feel better. We can quiet our mind and feel a little bit better. If we can take a drink or take Mm -hmm. a pill or, you know, snort something, we, you know, we self-medicate to feel better. And the next thing you know, you're in a complete nightmare scenario. Yeah. But uh, I've noticed too, as I've done this work now, I've been doing this work almost 10, 11, 12 years now. As a coach, the self-medication piece is huge when it comes to the holidays. 
you could self-medicate by, by trying to like buy the the perfect gifts for everybody. And you walk in and then, you know, the, the epitome of the movie, oh, well, isn't that, isn't that special <laughs> or, no. well, that's nice, but that's not really something, you know, it's that sort of stuff Or you come to the family gathering, like, so you're still single. Yeah. Oh, or you're still gay or whatever. Or we're going to, we're going to get along this year. Yeah. Plus, we're going to get along then, this year. That's the first one. Like, okay. Know, boom. Next right, thing you know, right, right. Next thing you know, uncle so-and-so is talking about Donald Trump. Exactly. That exactly. makes me want to have a drink. Yes. <laughs> but I also feel like this is a beautiful opportunity to like open the doorway as we we're just a few weeks away from, okay. The, I mean, the holiday season's already upon us. Let's it's the beginning of November. People are already like, okay. I have friends that are already panicking about, okay, I, I don't have the right gifts yet. I'm like, girl, it's not yeah. till next month. Okay. C- calm down a little bit here. But um, I also see that this is where people can step into this addiction space and they don't even r- realize it's actually happening yeah. to them. And then we might not even think about it through the holidays because we're so busy, but then January 1st rolls around and everything's, back to where it was and you're sitting there feeling like my god my family is so messed up and mm-hmm. you know i you know i really have never felt good about things or right. all of that kind of stuff and then it really kicks in and that's when we start you know getting the calls mm-hmm. of people saying look i'm on the edge i don't know if i'm gonna make it right and uh right. and then we can help with the device or treatment so before we wrap up here i want to just kind of touch on why why this is important to you because it was something that came from a very <clears throat> personal experience with somebody that was yeah. like very close to you. Yeah. Wasn't just like suddenly Gregory said, okay, let's go create this. No, um, I had a calling for this uh, life. Um, later. I, I actually worked in marketing and international marketing. I lived in France uh, back and forth to Southern California and, uh, I had a friend who was uh, drinking a lot and had some depression and I knew he had had some trauma in his past. He was, you know, kind of kicked out of this house at 15 for being gay. And he was one of the funniest people I've ever met. Like I, we would laugh hysterically together and he would house sit for me and I have dogs and I love my dogs and I trusted him. He loved dogs. And anyway, uh, he was starting to buy Xanax online. And, um, you know, I didn't know how to help him. I tried, I thought about it. I didn't really have any access to treatment. I didn't know about it. I didn't know what steps I needed to take. And, you know, and then he'd be fine for a while and then he'd be out of it for a while. And one day he, um, he had had a recent breakup and, uh, he had the keys to my house. He went there and took a handful of Xanax, uh, started his car in my garage. And when I got home from work, I found him and he passed away, he left me a really brilliant note. Sorry for the mess I'm causing you, but um, it messed me up bad. And I spent a couple of years, just the guilt ridden with guilt, guilt ridden. How did I not know? How did I, why didn't I go further in trying to find help? And, you know, was I just too busy in my life? Am I selfish? Am I dumb? You know, what did I do? Why didn't I do something more? And, uh, Eventually, I, I quit my job. I, I just couldn't do the traveling anymore. And I was really having a hard time. And uh, I uh, ended up taking a job uh, marketing for a treatment center. And uh, 
I realized, my God, this is for me. And I soaked up all the information I could. And I ended up, um, you know, eventually um, working myself into a director of operations for these treatment centers. And, you know, I help a lot of people. I, you know, I see these, my friend was named Blake. I see a lot of people come through our treatment center that really remind me of him. It's just so special and so much talent and great sparkling personalities. And I help them get clean and sober. And I don't win every battle, but I win a lot of them. And every time I do, I feel a little bit better about uh, my friend who passed away. It's been quite a few years now, but um, it's, uh, it's my passion. That's what I do. It's what I want to do until I'm probably too old to do it. But uh, it makes me feel better and I sleep really good at night. So so real quick before we wrap up here, if somebody is really, really like, okay, I need the help, but I don't know, I don't know if I want to do this. I need the help, but I don't, what's a good way to like, I mean, I know your centers are available. That's not the question yeah. here. It's like, what's the thing to like maybe help them like finally just break through like that battle in their own head and say, okay, I'm finally going to go do this. Most people hit what they call rock bottom. I know that's such a cliche, but um, something will happen. They'll lose a job. They'll get in a car accident. They'll get a DUI or five DUIs or something. Their wife or husband will leave them or, you know, their parents will cut them off and say, look, we're not going to fund your addiction anymore. And they realize that they either have to make a change or some really bad consequences will happen. Right. That's usually when... Um, I get that call. And, and that call is usually someone who says, I need to come now. I, I can't do this anymore. And I'm literally broken. And uh, so we say, yeah, now, now's the time. you got to want it. I can't right. force you to come here. Nobody exactly. can force you to come here. And that's the thing. You do have to want it. Just like you, you have to want to lose weight. You have to want to you know, save money for retirement. You have to want to be happy. I mean, yeah. it's it, you choose happiness. That's and some the thing. some people never choose that, and they die. Yeah, and that's the really sad part. You know, they never get it. But the yeah. ones that get it, there is a lifeline, and I'm very very happy to have that lifeline for anyone who that's needs awesome. it. So real quick, you've got the three treatment centers. Why don't you just rattle them off here? So if anybody's interested, and we will have yeah. links to all of these. Anybody yeah. who's listening will have links to all of them on the website so yeah. that you can get in contact. But you have yeah, three in the two in the Palm Springs area and one in Encino area, you said? Yeah. Or? So we have one in Encino Hills. Um, uh, we have uh, two in the Coachella Valley. Um, all three of them cater to a little bit different uh, clientele, different needs, different wants, different likes. We can really plug you into somewhere that works for you. Um, some people want a real strict kind of thing. Some people need, you know, need to be connected to the outside world and still conduct business. Some people want to, you know, throw themselves completely into it and, you know, change their life. I have yoga, chiropractor, um, but the most important thing is um, the therapy and the, and the help that you can get. Um, there's family therapy available. There's couples therapy available. Um, once we get your feet under you and you realize that 
you know, you're going to go on with your life, but can help you put those pieces back together and uh, help you get on the road. And uh, we're always there for you. Even when you leave us, um, you're able to, um, you know, come back as an alumni to uh, get some help. And I answer a lot of emails, people who just have questions, um, people who need advice. Um, I'm happy to do that. Um, If you need to come in for treatment, I'm happy to arrange that for you. If uh, our place isn't right for you, I can help you find a place that is. I'm really, you know, happy about that. I've connections all over. And then that's the key is finding the right place. It really, yeah. truly is. So, well, Gree, thank you so much for being here at the holiday times when somebody probably really needs to hear this podcast. And we hope that if you do need to hear this, that you will reach out to Gregory, even if it's just for, I just need to talk. I need to figure something out. Um, people come from all over the world to come to his treatment center. So, um, thanks again for being here, sharing yourself and doing the work that you do, man. Really appreciate Uh, you. I'm just going to end this with just saying the most important thing is to love yourself. Really, really Mm -hmm. reach in there and know that you're worthwhile and, uh, you're worth it. You're worth, you know, you're worth getting well. Absolutely. Happy holidays. Yeah. Happy happy holidays, holidays, everybody. All of you. Yes. And enjoy being you. And if this is the gift you give yourself, eat it up with every bit of love that you're about to give yourself for doing something like this. Please, please don't hesitate to reach out if you need help. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about and you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, We'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.